Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Lady Audacity. I'm Alex. And I'm Meredith, and welcome to our July Patreon episode. So excited to get into Princess Anne. Alex has been burning the midnight oil. Trust me, I know. I go to bed at like 9.15 like a baby. I knock myself out, and Alex is texting me at all hours like a like a college kid. <laughs> no, it's okay. My I'm always like, I'm like, what, what am I going to wake up to? And she is just... <laughs> She is on it. It's going to be so much fun. We we love doing these deep dives and we appreciate all of the new Patreons supporting us. It makes a big difference. It hopefully might mean we'll get an editor and producer soon. I am just manifesting that out into the ether. And yes. in terms of next month's Patreon, we haven't decided who it is yet. I have a couple of ideas since it will be my turn kind of taking lead, but we will make sure to put out a poll so that you can vote on who you want because you voted for this month. This is all you babies. It's all you you guys. You guys go. (laughs) So, you know what, without further ado, no one needs to hear from me. Let's get into it. Our Taylor Swift eras themed uh, series this time on Princess Anne. Alex, my love, take it away. So for Princess Anne, I couldn't decide on a song because I think you'll see why Princess Anne and Taylor Swift just like don't quite jive. But I can say I decided to make her era the 1989 era. And I think you guys will see why. And yes, maybe I'm harping too much on the fact that she refuses to call herself a feminist and she's one of those. But it's just you'll see why she's relating to the 1989 era of Taylor Swift. So can you can you remind me? Can you remind me what songs are on 1989? I get them all confused. That's like Shake It Off. That's um. we are never getting back together. I feel like isn't on that album. Actually, I feel like oh, that's on the album before. Remember, you guys, I am not a good. I am not a Swiftie. I'm just not good at this. But like, I remember um, "Shake It Off," and then the one where she's like in Africa. Yeah, it's "Shake Which It one? Off." 
blank space. Yes, blank space. Blank space. Right? Yes. Yeah, style, yes. sad blood, wildest dreams, out of the woods, new romantics. I just looked that up. That is a uh, Wikipedia. That's not Meredith's brain. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I mean, especially like blank space. That is so, and or at least how she is described by so many journalists and journalists that are her her friend. So we're going to throw it back to her early childhood. Princess Anne was born on August 15th, 1950. And when we're talking a lot right now about how stereotyping the royal children can really affect them early on, you really see this with Charles and Anne, Anne especially, because by five, she was already being described as a tomboy. Like there's this really interesting article from 19... 55 I found and I don't know let me read some quotes and hear your thoughts about this Meredith okay they go on to describe how she plays with toy soldiers and trains and like how she's always trying to keep up with her brother but don't worry and I quote but the but the children fortunately developed a typical boy and girl preferences and princess and dainty, dainty individuality has been increasingly pronounced in recent months I mean it's very interesting. It's like she's a tomboy and it's cute, but don't worry, guys. She's still feminine. Our little five-year-old is still a dainty little girl and it's just becoming more and more pronounced. Don't worry. So I think, you know, really talking about the times and what she was growing up in. And I think that's very interesting knowing Anne today because I think calling her dainty, she would probably slap you. <laughs> she doesn't come across as dainty to me this woman wore her full like napoleon it's not napoleon i know it but that full regalia to the coronation <laughs> in lieu of you know a dress i don't know if dainty is what i'd call her but it's very interesting the way we have to keep these gendered ideas like yeah she loves yes. to play with her brother and the toy soldiers but d- don't worry she is every she's always a lady exactly and you know, when she becomes a teenager, that t- that tug of war gets more prickly. But before we get there, another big event actually happened before five and she's being labeled a tomboy already was actually, of course, 1952, when her grandfather passed away, the king and her mother became the queen of England, which means like Charles, very quickly, they didn't see their parents anymore. Although Brian Huey, and I'm going to mention him a lot throughout this episode because he pretty much like made documentaries with Anne, was very close to her for like decades and writes a lot about her. He's written a couple biographies about her and I wrote and I read one of them. But he goes on to say, though, like while they didn't see their parents for weeks and even months at a time, it wasn't really quite different to what they were already used to. Like there was this whole story how like Queen Elizabeth had Anne and like not an hour later, she was asking for like the papers from the government to start citing and looking up. (laughs) Take your maternity leave. Like zero. Like I like I will say she is her parents' children. She's not even in she's not even in the mesh underpants at that point that they give you after having a child and like the diaper yet. I mean, she has not even been stitched up. Calm down, lady. Also, not really relevant, but I need to throw this out there. Did you know that she had like someone from the government came to witness her give birth to Charles? 
that was the last time that ever happened because King, you know, her father was like, you know what? I think that's enough of that. I think you guys know by now, like we're not going to switch out babies and stuff. So we don't need any more people in the room with their legs spread and giving, you know, giving birth as is. <laughs> oh my God. And it's funny. Cause I was actually thinking about that. Like when did that practice stop when they used to basically birth in the hall and everyone's just like really? sitting around sipping tea, watching the action. Um, I was it really was wondering Charles. when that ended. It was Charles. Okay. And so luckily it was only like down to like one government person, but still weird. I'm glad God, that I got cut weird. off. <laughs> so again, their parents are now queen and prince and they're barely seeing them. And immediately they get their nannies. The first one was Helen Lightbody, who was nicknamed No Nonsense Lightbody. <laughs> she resigned in 1956. It doesn't seem there was much drama there other than she was just like old and ready to move on. Um, then it was Miss Mabel, Miss Mabel who came in to be their main nanny. And she was the second in command to Lightbody. And she has stuck with this family until she like died. She was the nanny for Charles and Andrew and Edward. And then oh. she even delayed her retirement in 1977 to take care of Anne's first baby, Peter. Yeah. So to say they were close to her is an understatement. I think surrogate mom, if they ever wanted to openly say, if they could openly say that, they would say that. I mean, so she was, so obviously she was close to both of them. And Charles actually described her as a haven of security, the great haven. And it's so funny throughout of how they talk about their nannies, you can really start seeing the differences of Charles and Anne and how Charles is this kind of like romantic, you know what I mean? And Anne, when she talks about her nanny, she just talks a lot about how she taught her to save money. She's like, this is a quote <laughs> to Huey in her book is, I was brought up by a Scottish nanny to be careful with money. And I am true. And I am by nature, someone who hates waste. Like, she's every time person she that uses, about- she uses the butt of the bread or the heel of the bread. You know, she's that person that's like, it's perfectly good for a little a little uh, jammy penny or whatever they call okay. those things. And she loves that she can fit into her clothes of when she was in her 30s. Like literally from the 80s to like 2010, they're always talking about how she can still fit into her size 10 clothes. And I'm like, okay, we get it. We Yay. get it. <laughs> We're past that. We bodies, bodies are supposed right? to change. It's okay. It's very much good. I mean, she's not like other girls. She doesn't need new clothes. She even does her own hair. Did you see her hands? She doesn't get them manicured. They're just naturally nice. Like literally, this is why she got 1989. Okay. <laughs> but so, and I think I had to make a little side note about, side note about this because when, when looking up their early childhood and the fact that like Queen was absent and so was Prince Philip, you see a lot of people, especially if you look at like recent articles trying to kind of make up for that. Because I think in modern times, reading that, you're kind of like, you neglected your child, it sounds like, even though that was completely normal for um, Aristos. And I should say that, you know, it's not like Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are doing anything unique by barely seeing their children. I'm sure that's still pretty relevant to Aristotle society today, you know? But there's this quote from the list, and it says, this isn't to say that Queen Elizabeth neglected her children. And... I always love a moment to call out Lizzie and how she's like morally corrupt and really does a well done finesse because I love how like, you call her Lizzie when you're getting shady. <laughs> when we're getting sassy, like when Lizzie and I are fighting, I call her Lizzie. <laughs> we beefing. We are beefing right now. And like she went down as the country's grandma. Grandma. And she had the nerve to shake her son's hand after not seeing him for five months in front of the entire press. Okay. That was like, so cold. Actually, it was 
so bad. It was so bad. And the thing is with Anne is so interesting because like, I feel like you barely hear about her true feelings about that. Unlike Charles, you know, but that is a finesse she also didn't make up. I, it sounds like Queen Victoria was really the one who started that. I mean, we all now know now that Queen Victoria did not like her children. She didn't like children, period, let alone her own. But I heard, like, they said that she would often, though, bring across that image. Like, in all of her yes. portraits, it was just her and her children. It was never her with the nannies and the, you know, like. So that is from, that was, we were talking about that. That's from the book Running the Family Firm by Laura Yes, Gansky. And this idea that to paint Queen Queen Victoria in this sort of domesticated you know, circumstance, despite the fact that obviously there's so many people laboring to make it look like that. And the way in which the Cambridges sort of do a similar thing with almost playing middle class with these very informal looking, but obviously posed and curated family pictures, taking some of the photos, it gives a sense of intimacy and normalcy. Mm -hmm. And hiding the nanny away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, the whales do that a lot. They really like, it's almost like she's a close family friend that helps out a lot rather than like the nanny that is there full time. And Hey, I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing. Oh no. I would love a nanny. I would love a nanny. (laughs) Please. Okay. You can afford help. God, get it. God bless you. (laughs) I know. Right. So again, it's well-documented how Charles dealt with this. We know it was hard. He really did not, get along with his father well I mean very much going into those toxic masculinity he was too sensitive and so on but in all of the press I mean I went back it's always like described like oh Anne though like she totally was used to it because she got the same like tough love but they say because she was an extrovert she was able to handle it well mind you Anne is not an extrovert. Okay? I was about like, to say. All of the descriptions about her, she's aloof, if anything. She's does not like strangers, okay? Like, if this, if she wasn't a royal, I'm sure she would make sure she had a job where there was absolutely no customer service involved. Wow, okay, like, am, I, am I Anne <laughs> is Anne me? I just, it sounds right? like she was just more in the mold of her parents than Charles was. She was more adept oh, totally. personality-wise. Uh, temperament wise to take on this kind of responsibility and you know kind of just roll with it yes there we go and and the thing is like i kind of love that for her that we don't know how she truly feels about the relationship she had with her parents because she's such a private person it's obvious she doesn't want us to know and i love that we don't know because that's such an intimate and personal thing and i mean of course though part of me does wonder if also she doesn't speak out because she's so much of that kind of like last generation of such those traditional stiff upper lip mystery there's so much mystery around her still like i talk about mystery around kate no Anne. we really don't know much about that woman at all and that's how she likes it and good for her so i can't help but wonder though if that's like you know it's almost like nature um was it nature environment versus nature nature versus nurture. nurture Thank you. Nature versus nurture. It's like, if you weren't brought up in this environment, would you feel more open to speaking kind of like how this affected you? Or is this just, hey, you're not the type of person to speak about your private matters out loud. But, um, you know, it's because when she does, and there's very little moments she does, like there's this one interview with Howie in regards to the claim she was always, she always has to be right and is inflexible because as you will see literally from her teen years and on, 
Anne has never been called a bully, but if this was Meghan Markle, holy shit, because the way she is described of being rude, you, she can never, ever be wrong. And if you say like something opposing her opinion, she gets pissed off quickly. It's all over. Every single thing from the media to staff talking about her. Okay. <laughs> but in talking about that, asking about it, like as being inflexible, she makes a comment, pretty much scoffs at that. And she's like, I've been a professional fence sitter all of my life. And it's like little comments like that. I'm like, ooh, Anne, boo-boo. I am Anne sorry. Said, <laughs> Anne said, I've got a blank space baby. And I'll write okay, your name. Okay. Right? Like, don't you dare try to call me inflexible when I've had to sit here and be, okay, the side character my entire life, right? So, and speaking of that, I feel like there's times they talk about where you're like, wow, this must have been one of those fundamental moments in her childhood where she was like, I'm inferior. And I don't know if you wanted to read this, maybe, Meredith. I'd be happy to. Miss Catherine Peebles was engaged as a governess to Charles, with whom she quickly became so besotted that when Anne was sent along for lessons, she practically ignored. Miss Peebles was totally possessive about Charles. He could do no wrong in her eyes, and she hated leaving him for a moment, even when he was spending time with his mother. It was not a healthy relationship, and Charles became equally dependent on her. When it was decided to send him away to preparatory school at the age of seven, Miss Peebles was distraught. She wept for days when two five-year-old girls, Susan Babington-Smith and Caroline Hamilton, both granddaughters of senior courtiers, were brought into the palace to share Anne's lessons. There was never any great enthusiasm from any of those involved. Yikes. Okay, first off, I'm scared for Charles. Like, did anyone sound the alarm and be like, maybe she has a very weird and toxic attachment to a child? How old is this woman? Okay, and it doesn't go on from here. I cut it off, but she ended up like, I think dying like five or so years later in her room and they didn't find her for a couple of days and they still don't know how she died. That's all I'm going to say. We will we will explore that later for a Char- Charles episode. Don't worry. I already bookmarked it this whole entire episode. Okay? You know what's funny to me about Charles? Yeah. And I'm kind of seeing this this um, similarity almost with his uncle, King Edward. Wait, his yeah. uncle? No, his great uncle. Yes, his great uncle. Yes. And that is the need for almost kind of mothering from people. Like, and, and maybe yes. perhaps, and especially for Edwards, for his actual partners, but I do wonder, I'm like, God, I wonder how that plays out perhaps in Charles's relationship with Camilla. Just a thought I had. Continue. Well, yeah. So obviously this trauma that I'm sure Charles, I wonder to this day, even knows he went through because this is just absolutely not okay. But again, I can't help but think this is one of those moments where Anne was like also traumatized because, wow, I don't matter. I am inferior to my brother because that is how she was being treated. And It's just, you see these little building blocks always being created throughout her life. Like even when she moved on to her um, secondary school, it was like, oh yeah, because the press gave, she got a little bit of crap. And I always felt bad because it should have been more towards her mother than Anne, who was like 12 years old at the time. But it was pretty much known that she didn't have to go through the same like paperwork and testing and meetings that all the other students did. They just got her grades and the headmaster had a meeting with the queen. And she was in, you know, and hey, are we shocked? <laughs> My mother's the Queen of England and I got into the school that I wanted to get into. And also fun fact about Princess Anne, like her and Harry remind me of one another a lot. 
in little ways like this, but she didn't go on to go to university. She didn't want to. She got very average grades. She is like, like Harry, she's just not, that's just not her place. She didn't like it. So she moved on from that. And that's when we started seeing her getting into horses and then why she started working very quickly for the firm. So I want to move on a bit, of course, to her personality. Anne is fun in that way. <laughs> so like, she is consistently described as anything from hardworking, cold, relentlessly competitive, difficult, loyal, witty, and aloof. And I will say I watched some of her interviews and she is witty. Like when she finally gets to her joke or she finally has that little moment, she does a little smirk like her mom does and just have this, it's just so, it's just so cute. I don't know. You don't expect it from her. And I do love that about her. But a really big thing about her is her attitude problem. And at first, when I went into researching this, I definitely had this like, well, she's also female growing up during this time period. She's going to get a lot more shit than the others. But (laughs) the more I started looking into it, I'm kind of like, this is kind of appropriate. For one, she was just very unprofessional, very unprofessional throughout the 70s when she was technically working. So, um, and it's not just the media with this. Actually, in her 60th coverage, Hoey writes about this. And when he says, her small team is very loyal, though one former assistant did describe her as a bossy bitch. (laughs) Which is amazing because today you'd be like, bossy bitch, yes, get your back. You know what I mean? That's almost a positive. And I almost feel like in a way they're saying this in a, like, maybe they're just scared. Honestly, I feel like people are or kind of honestly, scared honestly, it's, it's also British people. So this could be kind of a sarcastic compliment. You know what I mean? Like, well, they, that's what they I'm saying. Rough. Exactly. And I feel like by this time, though, especially because this article I was quoting from with a bossy bitch, that was in 2010. I feel like a lot of the attitudes from the royals, it's like, oh, but they're royals. You know, that's what royals are. They're stubborn. You know, they abuse their power to get what they want, even if it's just getting out of a speeding ticket. You know, it's kind of like you're used to that. So it's like, yeah, she's mean. But like, you know, she's like bossy bitch. Like, it's kind of like a fun thing. And, you know, it's very interesting in hindsight with what has happened to Megan. Because I kept looking for her to be called the bully because sometimes it sounds like she can be. But not once. No, not mm, one time for very her. Very telling. Okay. <laughs> right? So for one, she is her father's daughter. In fact, they actually had like a joint controversy together in the 1970 Oceana tour that the whole family did. What a family bonding experience. (laughs) A joint, uh, you know, controversy. Right. So it was actually during a walkabout in Australia. And um, so Anne cursed during a windy walkabout saying this bloody wind. (laughs) Sir William, who had a 30 year career with the Royals, actually spoke to... um, It was for like a documentary in 2015. He was actually the former private secretary to the queen too. And he said when dealing with this, because for one, Prince Philip had was greeted by a Greek man. And they said, he said like a Greek curse word back to the man, but that's highly debated. Philip was like, I didn't. And people were like, ah, people in the car were like, yeah, he did. Personally, it sounds like a Philip gaff. It sounds like a typical Philip gaff. Okay. But when talking about Anne, he said she had been having difficulty with her hat in the wind. And there was unfortunately no doubt at all. She had used the word by no means unusually for her. And like for people, non-UK people, bloody is pretty much the equivalent of fuck. Oh, so yes, that is literally like fuck. Okay. So on the job, she said this fucking wind. 
I, you're going to get some slack for that even in 2023 if you're on the job. Okay? And Anne really needed this image overhaul in the 80s. And not just because she was already like in the midst of her struggle love and everything with her, with her first husband and so on. But it's because the 70s, again, just weren't great times. She was obviously not prepared for what they were going to be doing. Because even in, people forget in the 70s is actually when they begin to do walkabouts. So that's when they begin to do the walkabouts we know today, the shaking hands and talking to people. So it's very foreign to them. And again, Anne seems some seems to be genuinely someone who doesn't like touch unless she really, really is comfortable and likes you. And I respect that. And I must say that's got to be a weird gray line of like, this is your job, but also your personal boundaries. You know, there's a quote from who we talked about her 60th birthday. Like she just has her core group of friends but even them they know not to be too familiar and I can't help but think that's like she's not a don't give me a hug I don't know you like that even if I've known you for 30 years like but so some of the really big hiccups in the 70s for her was obviously the the Oceana tour you had the Australia portion where she just didn't do great and she was snapping at photographers they kept saying like they would ask her questions and she'd just be like you're a nuisance like literally just you're a nuisance don't talk to me which is you got to have some sort of finesse. But there was this Charles and Anne's infamous trip to D.C. in July 1970, which she really struggled with. And mind you, this was like directly after they did the Oceana tour. So this is a bit of a brutal schedule. Um, so after the Iraqi send off in Australia, Andy kept that stubborn streak and stepped off the plane in D.C., and well, here we go. <laughs> from the moment, <clears throat> right, this is a quote from a Daily Mail article talking about that moment. I think from like 2019, this article for the moment she stepped onto the lawn and commented and commented, I didn't know they made so many cameras. She made no effort to conceal a mood of incredulity and vague discomfort. And again, it's not like bad, but it's also not great because professionalism, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just, mm. and then you have here, this is a quote from a 2019 documentary about Anne, Joy Billington, who was a journalist in Washington, D.C. at the time of Anne and Charles' 1970 U.S. visit, slammed Anne's behavior toward the press. She said she was very bad-tempered, very sulky. She really didn't want to be there, and that was the impression one had. Then there was Helen Thomas, very respected journalist, said, Princess Anne, what do you think of the Washington Monument? And instead of saying, very tall, she could have answered in two simple words. She said, I don't do interviews. <laughs> <laughs> And I got away with like, bad bitch, it's a bad bitch. But also like, again, baby, you're at work. You're at work and you're being rude. This is like literally your job. But isn't it also (laughs) funny that a big thing that's kind of been, you know, especially thrown recently with Harry and Meghan is this idea of like, this Mm -hmm. is part of your job. Get used to it. Deal with it. But it seems like it's something that a lot of royals in the past have struggled with as well. Exactly. And like in other coverage of this, they're like, she made Charles look wonderful because at least he would smile at us and wave, which is also too why I like laugh about things because I've always said Charles has an it factor. Yes, it was overshadowed by Diana's because hers was just mega wide. You know, what Yo, I mean? you are blinded by your by your little <laughs> zaddy crush that you sometimes have on Charles. You totally called me out. OK, don't call me out like that. I I haven't even allowed called him zaddy and you called me out because, yeah, he <laughs> sometimes is okay okay i'm not gonna judge you sometimes (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) and 
Again, you guys, I'm going to post this interview, but it's with Michael Parkinson's in 1983. And it's when she's back in Australia. I think it was for the BBC. It's a sit down interview and it's really good to see Anne's personality, but also she talks a lot about this trip. And again, you can tell this is her kind of doing that media overhaul. But a lot of it, she says, she's like, there was no training for that. She's like, this is the first time we're ever doing walkabouts. She's like, there's no princess handbook they gave us. You're just thrown into it. And I just, I I had to go with it. And she says, too, of feeling bad because she's like, I know no one was there to see me. You know, they're there to see my mother and they're there to see Charles. So the whole time I'm thinking, stay out of the way, pretty much. Don't get in the way of this camera. Don't get in the way of this camera. But then I'm just called cold and rude. So again, it's like those small moments where you can see that maybe that spare angst come through of like, I know you're not here to see me. So of course I'm going to try to hide and get away. And then now I'm getting crap because people are mad about this. And of course, two things can be true at once. I think Anne doesn't like the press and she has attitude with them. And they did taunt her a lot through, you know, the 70s and teenage years. At points, there's articles calling her chubby. And then, like, she would lose weight. And they'd be like, oh, Princess Anne looking not flubby anymore. Our beautiful princess is back, you know. And it's sad because you can tell she really struggled with not being people's stereotypical princess, you know. And I think, too, with really coming across with her struggling not being the fairy tale princess because you know being obviously like a tomboy and stuff like that but I think a lot of it was she didn't have that it factor and that's not me making a personal dig at Anne not everyone has that and Anne didn't want to have that it's very obvious honestly looking at Anne's personality I like it and I love her humor her dry woody humor is so fun But also in that interview with Michael Parkinson, sometimes you can really see that not it factor there because sometimes it's just hard listening to her because she has a very monotone voice and she talks very slowly and there'll be these big pauses in between and she's, you know, (laughs) and it's just taking forever to get to the point. But then when she does, it's like fun and how she tells it is hilarious and the audience is laughing and you're laughing, but you're also like, yeah, it's it's lacking sometimes, that charisma, especially that mainstream charisma that people need to latch on to, you know? And I also right, think- though, I'm thinking about the sparkle. And yes. you're right, like, Diana had the sparkle. Mm-hmm. Kate has the sparkle, especially yeah. just in person. Megan obviously has the sparkle. Like Harry, you know what I mean? You're right. You either have that thing that just draws people to you or you don't. And there is something about her that feels a little more, especially in later years, like a little more school marm, you know? Exactly. Like she doesn't want, and like, I can only imagine to following up Princess Margaret as a spare had to be daunting just for anyone, but let alone when you're Princess Anne and you're just the polar opposite. You know what I mean? You're not into the glitz and glam like that. Your coping mechanisms are just not as like, unfortunately for that time you know quote unquote glamorous with the cigarettes and the drinking and the party it's like that just wasn't how Anne was like they actually talk about how you cannot find a story about like her you know extracurricular affairs and who she was sleeping with and good for her but it's like she kept that shit under lock and key and I also think because she terrified people a little bit like Philip did and good for her you know but and also part of that too when you really look at the difference of these other people we're calling charismatic too is like touch diana was hugging people 
even Charles was dancing with people and you know what I mean? Like having these moments and obviously you have Harry and Megan and Kate who do big bracing hugs and she refused to step into that again. She doesn't like, she would barely start shaking hands in the eighties, which was like, you know, even her pay, like they used to complain her charities that she wasn't being as personal as they wanted her to be. And Hoey expresses this in 2010 in his express article. If she appears to go out of her way to antagonize the media, it is because she refuses to accommodate them by doing stunts, as she calls them. She won't pick up babies or kiss handicapped children, even if by doing so she would receive favorable coverage. Like her father, the Duke of Edinburgh, she believes it is not necessary to be liked to be respected. <laughs> okay. And, I, okay. And I just feel like that's very easy for someone who is born into like hereditary privilege and riches to say. <laughs> but hey do you yeah do you and also can i just say it also feels a little bit like a dig at diana and it's very interesting Mm. because those digs with diana began pretty quickly and i think this also has to do with the overhaul in the 1980s because what also came in the 80s diana (laughs) literally i think it was 1980 they announced their relationship in 1981 they're engaged and married there's this like really interesting article from 1984 and this is, I think it was 1978 or maybe 1980. Actually, she started to the save the children fun trips or be the Patreon of that. And she's, you know, she still is to this day and she started doing trips for them. And in those trips, she's obviously in Africa. She's around poor children. You know, this white lady is in just like regular clothes, hug, not hugging these children, but standing next to them and looking white savior. You're giving white. Exactly. Savior. It's people were loving it. And something was like, oh, maybe she's not a bitch, you know? So <clears throat> there's this article and it's called Princess Angelic. <laughs> 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 it's about her trip. And just a couple blurbs from it. It has, make no mistake about it. This is not a member of the royal family making smooth progress in comfortable limousine amid bowing officials. And then there's another section. Accommodation will be Spartan, notably a night stay at a field station, a little more than a bare concrete building for too long and had the image of being the bossy, arrogant, and spoilt world, spoilt royal who some frankly thought abused her position, but a change in public attitude was detectable in the winter of 1982 when she made the first of save the children fun trips again i'm sure the save the fun trips helped but i can't help but also think this was diana too there was someone else to pile on diana is like fun and she's beautiful and she's pretty but it's also so fun to bring the egg girl down you know and then you have you know Anne, who's humble and quiet and doesn't complain and doesn't make a show out of things and it's kind of like kate and megan yeah i was just thinking that yeah, They're and it's almost like the it. person that's currently that's already in the household. When someone new comes in, there's this feeling like you have to live up or or compete mm-hmm. or kind of. It's the way we kind of see more of like the PDA Kate stuff, exactly. Because we saw more of Megan PDA, and it's kind of trying to, yes. you know, latch onto those why. things that make them popular. Or like with kate like may and immediately launching these projects that were really successful and it was like well kate you know she's not one to just hurry up and rush things she's going to take her time even if it doesn't look good to the public you know it's that and that i feel like is a lot what we saw with Anne and kind of like diana even though it's not as explicit you can tell that's part of it you know diana is out diana is out here kissing children and babies and her you know high heels and her Catherine walker but Anne's pretty much in just sleeping on floors in africa so 
it was really weird. And for like Hoey's book, he's actually, he goes around a lot of the places that she likes to visit. And one of them is the Falklands and a favorite spot of Princess Anne's. And he quotes a civilian when asked, when asking around about Anne and they say, the Argies got Diana, we got Anne. There's no doubt in royal terms. We got the best of the bargain. So again, like it was just like, ah, okay. And I'm just going to round out Princess Anne with the press. And I think, being the spare with a couple more quotes from an interview pretty much with Hoey for his book. I think it's Huey. Um, I'm just going to guess it's Huey. I like that you ah, make him okay. out to be a hoe, but I think it's prob- I'm going to guess it's Huey. I'm going to guess yes. there are no hoes in this house. I'm going to guess it's Huey. <laughs> Huey. Brian Hoey Huey. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ho. Okay. Keep going. Let's go ho. Okay. <laughs> then again, Huey writes, and this was 1990 for this main biography I'm talking about. And like, I almost feel like it's too aggressive to even call like her complaints like tepid, you know, because they're so passive. But like, this is an example. He says, what does she feel about the image she has had for years as a member of the royal family who never really fits in? I've never been what some people think a princess should be wearing a crown and a long dress. And I will always, and I was always the tail in Charlie and grew up being used to the fact in my case, having a lot to do with horses has meant, has meant getting used to disappointments. You spend years trying to achieve something. And just when you think you are there, you are let down, but you have to learn to get on, get on with life, which is full of disappointments. Like, ma'am, I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> okay, okay. You're sad. Shit, that I'm was sad. <laughs> Right. And then he, he has this one um, when it's he goes over pretty much what people have said about her, like your insatiable, insatiable appetite for winning. You're too competitive. No one can be wrong. And he says, how does she regard herself? I was not in the least. Com- I was not in the least competitive in the early days. I had been brought up not to be. You must also remember that girls did not have as many career opportunities then as they do today. That I found interesting. There's these like little moments where she brings up, I was raised, I can't be like this because obviously gender stereotypes and you have these little moments, for example, when she wanted to change, she became the Lady of Garter. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. In 1994, but she wanted to be a knight. And that's because the difference of being a lady or a knight is rank and important. So Anne looked at everyone and was pretty much like, I'm Barbie, they're just kins. I will not be outranked by these bitches. <laughs> so she told her mom, aka the queen, who was obviously like, I got you, girl. And so, and I mean, also the head of the armed forces, and she became the Knight of Garter. And she was the first one to, first female to become the Knight of Garter, which is really cool. But it's really funny when you look back at that time, <laughs> because 
how it's like described is not like this like feminist moment or even just like she wants to be treated like the boys um who actually in a book when he talks about it this is i think a really good um briefing of what everyone was kind of saying then when the queen elevated her daughter to be a lady of garter in 1994 the princess was entitled to affix the late letters lg after her name apparently this was not to her liking for she asked her majesty majesty and was granted permission to use the letters kg instead kg signifies a knight of the garter and she now has the queen's consent to use those letters which in fact makes her the only female kg in the world like, why does it sound like she was complaining about the initials? <laughs> like, it just yeah. seems so juvenile. You know, like, sheer complaint was that she didn't like these initials. They didn't look good. Anne feels like kind of like a first wave, wave feminist, but only for herself. You know what I mean? Because yes. I wonder how many people yes. after her, how many women have become Lady of the Garter. Like, she, it wasn't like she was trying to dismantle that, that guard system. That system and yeah. everyone be Knights of the Garter. It's, this is unfair. It was yeah. only for herself. Exactly. And I feel like that's what a lot of her quote unquote feminism is and why she doesn't like it because she just wants to be a part of the good old boys club. And I also think she's like, that's your business, not mine. You know, this is someone who does believe in hereditary titles and stuff like that. And the funny thing is, I think the only reason she didn't give her kids one, and again, this is just my personal opinion, is because I think that again is maybe um, evidence of what it did to her being the spare. You know, she's like, these titles did come with a lot, and then they came with very little at the same time. Her kids so could I'm, be shady, though. Zara has used her name and her position for all these kind of brand endorsements and stuff. Fuck. Shady. <laughs> shady. Oh, they're both so shady. And the funny thing is, they always said Anne was, like, using her power to get what she wanted. I mean, you guys, Anne was, like, the first <laughs> royal, I think, to have, like, a criminal record because of all of her speeding tickets. Oh, the shit. girl she loves she got a lead foot speed. i think she like oh what happened there was some sort of oh and then she got in big trouble she actually had to go to court because her dog bit someone in the park so yeah anna's like had a multiple run-in with anna's a threat anna's a threat <laughs> <Okay>. to society <laughs> she be driving she be just around that whip okay they <laughs> see me rolling they okay, hate fast and the this is her favorite movie if i could ever ask anna a question i'd be like is fast and the furious your favorite movie i'm just saying <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about please leave <laughs> i hate you thank you <laughs> but so anyways, we have this KG title. And the thing is, it's just funny because in 2021, there's this headline. And this is what you see now anytime it's referred to. It's Princess Anne put her foot down to receive same, to receive same title and status as older brother Charles. Princess Anne insisted to be given the same title as her older brother, Prince Charles, when she was made a member of the Order of Garter. So you see this like feminist. Oh, yeah, she's going to be the same as her brother. But then it was like, oh, she just didn't like those initials, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and she has made it very clear i think it was in 2021 with her vanity fair interview with katie nicole she asked if she was a feminist and she just shrugged her shoulders and was like i want everyone to be able to be successful i love that giving left it's giving i don't see color exactly it's so weird and she just and then like they go on to list how many organizations she works with that push for like you know females and um stem and stuff like that afterwards and it's like cool that's great but 
then why does she think she's not a feminist? And this was like the same interview where she pretty much said it was like broke, don't fix it. You know, when talking about the Rhoda and, you know, kind of insinuating the stuff going on with Megan and Harry. And that was my first sour taste with her. I was just like, you like yeah, scoff I mean, at she's the still, idea of being she's a still feminist. A, she's still a white woman from, you know, right? literally the the definition of privileged. Okay, I, I need to know though. Can we talk about the husbands? I am like dying Let's to get into her love life. Husband. Okay, yeah. So Prince Anne's love life, again, like her personality, is hard to dig out stuff on. Like, again, I don't know if she had people signing NDAs. It's giving Beyonce, honestly. Like Beyonce and Jay-Z. Like NDAs are being signed because no one will talk about what they've done with her. And the funny thing is there's this one quote. Um, it's, again, Huey. Love him. Okay. Howie, love you. You might hope. No. <laughs> But he's like interviewing like you know um the sailors and stuff she's worked with and being the commander or whatever and whatever and they've always like and one of them says you know off the record won't give his name he's like people don't usually say anything because we can't get past the pricklies you know what's interesting about (laughs) know what's interesting about Anne is the way she kind of she almost follows in her in her aunt's aunt Margaret's footsteps because she gets like really infatuated with that equestrian. I think his name is Robert Mead and he's like 12 years, her senior, at least she's 20, you know, at least she's 20. Yes. And that was, yeah, she like for, cause there was a while where it was just like, at least the press was like, is it going to be this guy? Is it going to be this guy? Is it going to be this guy? And a lot of the big contenders were their equestrians and they're always like 10 plus years older. Yeah, it was pretty much Mead was like a big time in the running, but that kind of cut off when she saw Mark Phillips. It sounds like she was just like, and at least, at least, I don't know if in love, but it sounds like there's a lot of in lust from yeah, like and the I moment think, they saw I think part another. of it too is that Philip, her father, was really not down with this 12 year age gap. And I think maybe eventually that sort of sunk in, maybe perhaps the way it did for Margaret that marrying a divorcee who, you know, wasn't of that world was maybe perhaps not a good idea. And remember, like, being accepted by your parents was everything. So if her dad was like, nah, it wasn't going to happen, you know? I mean, um, Andrew Parker Boyles, that's part of the reason why he got left off. You just call him Boyles? That is so shady. I I know I did. (laughs) You totally did that on, I know you did that on purpose, too. I'm being shady. I don't like him. Don't blame that on (laughs) dyslexia, my friend. I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> that was appropriate shade. that shade. was appropriate okay. continue <laughs> so yeah he was cut off because it was catholic it's just so funny looking back at this time how particular everything was but we get our guy mark phillips and funny enough like he was a commoner but from what i've seen that wasn't really an issue for anyone i think because he was so highly respected he was a captain and so on it was okay and People always said, like, again, Anne's temperamental, and they would always laugh because they said Mark was just so chill to the point, like, when Anne would be freaking out about something, he would just laugh until she would start laughing with him. So it's really cute. You know, they they had their fun. Um, and then they didn't. <laughs> and then they did not. <laughs> but Captain so Mark Phillips they... is the Captain Mark Phillips is the father of her two children, right? Peter yeah, and that is the father. Yeah, her and Tim never had um, their own children. He is the stepdad to Peter and Zara. So they have those. Got it. And if anything's about the parenting with that, I found really interesting. She has said that, 
like when talking about her upbringing and stuff and her parents being gone saying like, you know, that's just part of the business. It's fine. I had great nannies. And that's what my children are used to too. And they're preparing for that. So it's interesting that she did continue that with her own children. She was always traveling. She was always out and they were mostly raised by the nannies in the early years for sure. And obviously she's really close to them now. So, you know, Hey, it works for them. (laughs) So, Their relationship, again, I just can't help wonder if it was more and less than anything else. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it sounds like they were separated. It sounds like in the 90s before they're officially divorced in 92, which when everyone was getting divorced. So luckily for Anne, like her divorce just kind of got stuffed down there because you've got Princess Diana and Fergie. You know what I mean? There was a lot more going on. Three of the four children become separated and embroiled in scandal and the Windsor house burns in 92 (laughs) it's a bad year it was like and you good boo also fun fact about Auntie: the wedding with mark phillips that was the first time there was a royal wedding that was televised very interesting on that one yep and just like she was the first woman to not give titles to her children and you know the rumor's always been that the queen like begged her to for like years but she was always just like it's not going she's an influencer She's an influencer, okay? And she did not get shit from the media, which I find very interesting because I honestly expected a little bit of shit, but everyone was just like, she don't want... And again, it was humble Queen Anne. Humble Queen Anne doesn't want to give her children titles. She wants them to like grow up and be hard workers, which is just hilarious to think about a nipple baby of that extreme just because they didn't have titles would not grow up spoiled. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Funny enough, Battle... Fidel Smith actually writes, they had separated three years earlier after persistent reports that both had been unfaithful. In Anne's case, with, among others, Andrew Parker Bowles. Well, girl, girl, you just <laughs> threw that out there, too. Wait, I thought... I, I literally Andrew, did that. I was just looking at Meredith. <laughs> wait, I thought, I, I thought Andrew happened before Captain Phillips. So, yeah, they happened before Captain Phillips. He was one of, like... The kind of like, is it going to be him? Is it going to be him? Just Guys, to paint that a picture, though, just to paint a picture, you have Charles, you know, getting with Camilla. Camilla's also getting with her on and off boyfriend, Andrew. And Andrew's also getting with Princess yes. Anne. It is gross up in there. And that's what's funny, because when The Crown came out, they tried to be like, oh, they made it more dramatic. Like, when they all dated, it didn't overlap. Like, sure, when they originally dated... He was not with Camila. But if the rumors are true, when they were sleeping together, when she was still married, that means his wife was sleeping with her. It's just like, yay. <laughs> like, this is getting Jersey Shore. Okay. This is even like Bravo drama. This, this is, is Vanderpump. Shore. This is Vanderpump. Right. Or, you know, what's the one on the water? What's the one on the water? Oh, it's, it's like, it's like, oh, below deck. Below this is below deck draw. <laughs> this is below You're right. deck draw. Actually, that's sure, a better actually. analogy. So okay, so she she's sleeping around on her husband. She's sleeping around. And her husband Supposedly sleeping around on her. And then we have our Tim come in. And now Tim originally started with the family. He was obviously Vice Admiral Sir Thomasy Timothy Timothy Lawrence. <laughs> and he served in the Royal Navy. And then actually in 1986, he became the Equerry. Aquary? No, Equerry. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. No, you got it right. No, we don't even have to pause. <laughs> so in nineteen eighty six he became the equerry for the queen, and that's when he met Princess Anne officially. Oh my god, he is okay, Princess Anne is Princess Margaret. Everyone is yes! getting with these equerries. Is that why right? they take the is that why they take like the job? They're like, I'm gonna be getting some princess. I almost just made a very naughty alliteration. I almost just said princess pussy, and that was really <laughs> gross. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is for Patreon. This is what you get on Patreon. We can I, do it. We gotta um, do you're, it. It's you're funny. welcome. You're welcome, and also <laughs> apologies. It's funny, and this one wasn't gross. There was no grooming involved. Wait, it wasn't gross. Did in those terms. So, well, I mean, like maybe there's an affair, but honestly, it just sounds like they were both just done with it, and for three years hanging on because they had to. Like, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Anne was like, you know what? Let's divorce now since things are burning down. Everyone else is divorced. Literally burning road. down. <laughs> like literally. So. There seems to be an overlap, but it's never officially admitted that there is between Timothy and Mark. But we can all say what we want about that overlap because they are still together to this day. And I actually wanted to read an article from that time when they announced that they were getting married. Because remember, with Mark, it was like a whole huge wedding. It's the first televised wedding. With Tim, they went to Scotland, which I love because it's getting my Bridgerton feels. They went to like Scotland to go get hitched really quickly. So like, I think it was pretty much because like they didn't want to embarrass the queen of getting married by the Church of England. You know, type of thing. Well, also, they got re they got married the same year she got divorced. So, again, we know the '80s was the rehaul, and it was of her public image. It was doing really well, but like, make no mistake, it was so prickly. And the fact that Princess Anne dared to get divorced and then remarried, well, it it it's caused some trouble. So, there's this article it's from '92. It says, "Princess Anne, change your attitude." The danger will come later on when he realizes, this is talking about Timothy, he realizes that his wife is not bothering with her appearance. Yet for his sake, she should make the effort when they entertain anyone of importance to him in his naval position. As for Prince Charles turning up in skirts, Scotland, so he wore skirts, he should have had his bagpipes with him. And the other worlds looked as if they had no interest in the wedding whatsoever and no dress sense at all merely saying to hell with all this anyhow worse is to come for charles and andrew i don't think the age difference matters but more women will make eyes at tim than men will make eyes at Anne. shit mrs irene drennan fezzer curly i hope i bitched her name because damn that was bitchy. me too also she, she <laughs> refers to charles in a skirt he's wearing a kilt i am not gonna say that they are not cosplaying scotland which famously you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but right it's just like really mean and i mean again there's so much going on within the royal fold at this time so i feel like this is probably a really good sense of the jabs that everyone was taking at the royal family because i can only imagine it's kind of nice to see these people who think they have this like moral hierarchy crumbling i mean divorces divorces <laughs> you know how dare you guys and i mean affairs everyone's clearly also having affairs now too that's huge you know for this to be so open so but i hate that it's on Anne, and it's just all saying pretty much that like she's ugly and she should have dressed better and look that's not my favorite Anne look <laughs> but but i would never say she's not attractive or that like she needs to worry about the eyes being made at tim which or also that she's reduced to her looks or that the exactly. only reason tim married her is because of her looks which it's clearly not that and tim is just as quiet and aloof 
as Anne. It's very Perfect. sweet. We know nothing about that man. And she loves it. And he seems to love it. And I love that they're still together. Like, genuinely congrats on them. I do wish, though, Anne would stop doing interviews. <laughs> like, Lovely time. Right. I find it so funny that, like, she's the person they put out there for these interviews to kind of get goodwill towards the royals. And mind you, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I think people obviously like her, especially royalists. But outside of that, it's cringe. Like, the most recent one when she's talking about, like, slavery and reparations. And she's like, well, there's still slavery today. You're like, what are you going to do? It's just kind of like, no. You guys, this needs to be your last year talking. (laughs) This is not going to reflect well on you later on. But yeah, all to say Princess Anne is a really fun search. She's lived a very interesting life. I do think she's rude. I do think she's entitled. But I also think she seems very like just sweet, super fun. And if I wouldn't cry around her humor, because also one of the things talked about in the book a lot is that when she starts making fun of you, that means she likes you. Anne is mean. I know I would be crying over the things she would be, the jokes made at my expense. Okay. Like, yeah, it, it wouldn't vibe well. We, we would Serving not vibe. savage burns. <laughs> okay. Even I'm like, I mean, Scarpio. even just like, just briefly, cause I know this is, you know, gone long, but even her, like, apparently the allegations around her attempted kidnapping is yes. kind of like, I'm not going with you. Do you want to give like the broad strokes of the the kidnapping? Oh, yeah, I, like I totally. That most, it's the thing that people most know about Princess Anne. So I think it's okay just to give a brief overview. And maybe if people want, we can do a longer video on Instagram or TikTok about it. But maybe just give the broad yes. strokes and some of the highlights, not the highlights, but of this wild and wacky kidnapping attempt. So yeah, this occurred in on March 20th, 1974. This all happened I think it was like a man who was unemployed he was angry and his name was Ian Ball an unemployed laborer from North London and he tried kidnapping Princess Anne it was around eight o'clock they were coming back from a charity film screening and she was only four months into her marriage with um Mark so they're coming back from the screening they're just in a regular car her leading in waiting is sitting across from her when this guy comes out and i guess like he rips open the door right and i'm gonna read a little bit from this article from this yeah so he he blocks off the car and comes out and then so first what yeah and he shoots the chauffeur or the body like someone gets shot and then four, he gets the bodyguard the gets shot four times. There's a lot of people times. that get shot in this situation. Nobody dies, thank God. But yeah, a lot of people get crazy. shot. Crazy. It was like almost. But like you're a, right. He doesn't like three or four people get shot in multiple times. Yeah. And he <sighs> opens the door. So yeah, he opens the door to get to her. And it's so funny. So he tries to get her out, and she's like pretty much like, no, it's it's not happening. And he's like tugging at her. And I guess he'd ripped her blue, like her blue dress. And her only quote after that was just like, you know, I was upset. She's like, but most of all, I was angry because I looked down and he ripped my favorite new blue dress. And this was a blue dress that I was gonna wear on my honeymoon, and now it's ruined, and I have to get a new blue dress now. <laughs> like, this is literally her whole spiel. And I'm like, wonderful. It's like giving 
the same vibes of when I think it was Charles in Australia when that like gunman tried to go on stage to get to him and like he get the gunman gets tackled and Charles is literally just like fixing Ew. his tie and his cufflinks and looking at the guy like what is this peasant doing like get out of the here vibes are immaculate when people are trying to assassinate these guys I must say immaculate <laughs> vibes <laughs> he said um no <laughs> it's just giving swag Thank you. Next. So yeah, so he tries to pull her out and then it's a weird skirmish because at some point doesn't he, he comes around the other side or he's on that side and somehow she manages to open the door, fall out of the car to get him distracted. And then she bumps yeah. back in the car and slams the door. Well, and I honestly, so I just have to say, thank goodness that this guy didn't obviously did not plan all of this. This is obviously sad but i am going to say thank goodness for Anne's safety it sounds like he suffered from really bad mental illness um and he just may have been on something when it happened so he was just not planning this and he didn't have the means to i think even mentally to pull it off and again thank goodness because it was such a sloppy attempt but also at the same time i have to say there was four people around to protect her and they almost all got shot and he still got to Anne. I would have been like, we need to tighten up security, guys. Well, it's, it's that. <laughs> so like, yeah, the chauffeur gets shot, the bodyguard gets shot, and then like well, a policeman nice. nearby gets shot. And then this Draw like it. boxer, they're so lucky, yeah. six two boxer happens to like get on the scene. And I mean, eventually he is apprehended and no one is injured to, you know, no one dies of this. But yeah, like yes. a lot of people get shot in this entire escapade. It was pure mayhem. And I'm so happy that Anne didn't get shot, but I still don't understand how she honestly didn't. And then I again, have no idea. Just like, thank goodness this guy wasn't totally there because he had so many opportunities and I'm pretty sure that same year someone tried to assassinate the queen and got somewhat close to well the really thing is giving better security. well the thing is it uh, my understanding and I could be wrong is that this guy wasn't looking to assassinate Anne as much as he was hoping to kidnap her and get and like money. he had a ransom note that they found and yeah. got money so he definitely didn't want to hurt her I don't think he anticipated how much she was going to fight back and be able in that stressful situation to think two steps ahead of if I fall out of this car on the other side, he'll run around to see the commotion, be a little distracted. I'll get back in the car before he can get me in a ball gown. Well, and that's what's so funny. So I'm reading some of these quotes from her and I love, Anne loves a curse and I truly love this about her. I do like because that. Because again, in the mayhem of how the hell did, was this allowed to happen? At one point, they're literally saying that the kidnapper is having a conversation with Anne, pleading for her to get out of the car so he can take her. And she's like, what did she say? She says, bloody likely. <laughs> A.K.A. fucking likely. Okay. And this man has a gun. You have seen he him shoot gun. someone. And <laughs> you're going to sass the guy with a gun? <laughs> and, like, and then Captain Phillips is just like, I was frightened. I won't mind admitting it. <laughs> Well, well, and just like, I wasn't frightened. I was pissed. He ripped my dress. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. So, I was trying to go home. Like this guy was so chill. It's so funny, but yeah, not funny, but serious. But again, like, I really do hope they got better security after that because it's giving, you guys aren't that good. 
No, they definitely, I remember reading some of the stuff was, was an overhaul of security, but also the feeling that the Royal family didn't want to feel so far removed from the people that the people don't have access to them because that kind of distance can create a, a, an apathy for the monarchy. So I did read, there was some interesting follow-up about procedures and all that. And which is so interesting because they did struggle with that thing because it's, you know, you think about the documentary that got pulled and now that you see that documentary, you're like, why would this get pulled? It's kind of boring. It's just them like doing mundane things. Oh yeah. Their reality TV show. Really? Like, exactly. I feel like that's the only reason to pull it, but they were like, it was just too, it was just too intimate. It's like, really? It's just boring. But yeah. then it's like, well, they don't want to shake hands. They're not going to hug people. They're not going to kiss babies. It makes sense while they're like, well, we'll just leave ourselves kind of open and very vulnerable to the public. So at least they can see us and get that photo and wave at us on the mall. But now it's like, they can hug and kiss babies. So I feel like they can show that personal and more intimacy without having to be, you know, open kidnapping tips like that. Or someone running up on stage with a gun when the King of England or the future King of England is on there giving a speech. Like I cannot yeah. imagine that happening with William today and let's hope it never does. But it's all, yes, very interesting. And I will say too, with Anne, when it comes to her feminism, like you said, it also makes sense because of the time period she came from that she wants to benefit from the things like feminism, but would never call herself one and most likely brushes off feminism as people just who hate men, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it makes sense. She's very much always given, I'm not like the other girls. And I will say she isn't in many ways when you're talking about the princesses that came before her and, you know, were with her then and followed her. But she definitely does in a way I'm better than you because I'm not like other girls and I want to be one of the boys. God, so. I really still see blank space for her. I'm really like kind of thinking about it. Right? <laughs> I, really I feel, feel like blank space is good. Yeah, because it's like, it's such a fun, catchy song. But it's like the more you listen to it, it's like, this is try hard. <laughs> it, it's try hard, but it's also like, it's also kind of a little dark. Um, yes, which works, that's true. She's a little dark. Like I said, her little tidbits when she's finally like, I've been a fence sitter my whole life or I'm not your typical princess. They don't like me because I'm just like, ow, honey, I hope you therapy, please, please. Never, never. <laughs> just 500 honest. engagements a year. Don't worry. That's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is honestly, I've learned so much. I really didn't have a grasp on Anne at all. And this really painted a better picture of how, I mean, as much as we can know about her, as yes. much as it as is put out there in the media, obviously there's an idea of the front stage and the backstage, the monarchy, what they put forth, what they conceal. But this has yeah. been a very interesting look in her. And you, you really see the way in which she is, like you said, that kind of mainstay from another generation, um, which is kind yes. of the last of her breed, to be honest. I mean, she really she is, is the, the last, last one. of the bygone era. Yeah. Yep. The last yep. of the bygone era, for sure. For sure. Yep. So I mean, yeah, this was, this was, <laughs> yeah, this was awesome. This was, I, I love these Patreon. Again, these Patreons are so much work, but they are so much fun to get into so and dig into fun. old articles. I mean, we have the British new newspaper archives. We are not playing over here. There's okay. So much fun. You guys are amazing. So fun. We're just, like, just marking all these articles. Like, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. fun. <laughs> it's the best resource ever. I have to be it's, honest, but yes. yeah, we'll make sure to have a poll about who the next person will be for August. So definitely check it out there. Yes. Um, and thank you again, all of you for your support. We appreciate oh. it so, so much. Yes, Alex. Sorry. And one more thing. I'm definitely too throughout the week and weekend. I'm going to be traveling on Friday, but throughout the weekend, 
I'm going to be posting just like blurbs that we quoted on here. I'm definitely going to be putting up that interview because I think if you guys want to just see Anne's personality in action. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be really good. So yeah, I'll definitely be popping up that kind of stuff on the Patreon throughout the weekend and week just so we have more context to all of this and get into it and some of the stuff that we didn't get into. That sounds awesome. And of course, we will include any links in the show notes so that you guys can read them, including snippets from the British newspaper archive, since we can't link to those. But yeah, yes. until next time, Pinky's, Pinky's up. up. Bloody bit. <laughs>
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 